0: Let us resume in three, two, one. Well, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Uh, this episode is going to be part two with uh, Lucas. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, Steve. It's good to be back.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, we—I think we definitely hit the two-hour mark. Um, with part one and because our schedules are what they are, um, we had to basically record part two, um, tonight's Monday, the 28th. So it's been pretty much like the weekend since, uh, part one aired. So, um, before we kind of just dive right into where we left off, um, one thing I wanted to realize, man, cause I, I listened to part one on the way down to Tucson just to make sure like we covered everything, um, and, which I don't even think is possible right now. But uh, one thing I forgot to mention, um, and I kind of throwing a Kerbal at you, um, dude. Thank you so much for writing letters to me when I was deployed. Um, do, you remember, do you remember doing that? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah, and I know I, I'm pretty sure I thanked you in person, um, or at least through through messenger and over the phone uh, a couple months back. But um, you know, when I was when I was overseas, you know, um, it's kind of weird to say my ex girlfriend Lisa. She took it upon herself to do that for me. And I was very shocked that not only did she do that, but also people took the time to write and, um, even more shocked to see that you had written to me. And I was just like, man, this is, this is awesome. Like I, I, you know, I love the community so much because, uh, it's just just things that you, the, the community does things for people that you never expect. And I really hope that that continues to, to, um, to, you know be part of what makes the community great so um anyway i've been talking a lot so we oh
1: i i mean like it, my pleasure and like uh i was really thankful that um lisa approached me and and you know like you know we were missing you man we were missing the we were missing the pod we you know and like uh it was uh definitely i it seemed like a great way to kind of show show my thanks and you know this this is an awesome community right like i think about like bizzle's christmas cards and, oh yeah uh, those are great and like remember alfred and jenny's like secret santa that they like set up yeah like just like a lot of like really cool stuff and and uh you, you know I, I think it's great to just be a part of that whenever you can
0: freaking uh josh hollow hollow lomenko i just butchered his name was my secret i was his secret santa and I remember creeping on this dude cause I, we weren't friends yet. So I, um, I checked his Facebook. I tried to find like some kind of sports team and I got like some, I think it was a call Canadian football Tigers t-shirt. And I'm like, this guy's gonna think I'm nuts. Like he's never heard of me before, but I think he was really grateful. And, um, thanks for mentioning that too, man. Because like they I would love to see more stuff like that coming up. Um, so like over the holidays, cause that was really cool. Like, I remember when I got Bizzle's uh, Christmas card? Um, I got two of them. I got one last year. I really needed that. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, but yeah, man, like that—that's—that's uh, that's really cool. And I—I I brought this up because I want people to um, just realize like how much you bring to the the community. Um, if if we haven't captured that already, in you know, our first two-hour episode, uh, I, I imagine when we get to the crowdsource questions and start talking about you know, more, more about you and what you hope to accomplish. Um, but I, I really wanted people to, to, to know, know that about you. Like you're just a solid dude. And, um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk dodgeball and, you know, see where we go. And I think, I think that's all I had for housekeeping just brought the bat. Cause I, I did want to bring that up last time. So, um, we left off talking about power versus force. You had mentioned, um, Tom Nielsen, Zach Gaynor. Um, I had mentioned Seth LaMantia, and you know, I love the fact that you know these these names are are, are being mentioned once. You know, they're they're, they're out in the ether now. Um, whether somebody listens to this five, ten years from now, they'll hear these names, and these players will live on, even in the slightest capacity. So that's one thing I really love about doing this podcast. But um I don't know if you had any any final thoughts on on uh, on these two, because the question initially was who or whom do you model your play after, and you kind of mentioned like you know trying to turn into a power thrower um that kind of thing are are you good with that or did you want to move on to like the next series of questions because we got a lot
1: uh I'm yeah let's keep let's keep it moving all right
0: so what is your favorite ball and uh, i bet this is gonna be a loaded answer
1: currently it's seven inch foam um I, i what do i like about that ball i it's it's challenging like it it, i feel like i'm still haven't quite mastered the technique of like throwing that ball um sometimes i feel like like i'm going to like the golf range and i'm like working on my swing right (laughs) like when i go out and i'm like working on my throw working on my release point working on getting like my my weight transfer from my back leg to my front leg and Like I just really like that challenge. I think that the ball rewards you like as you level up, like I think the ball has like a ton of upside. Like you see some of the best players with this ball and you realize like what is like possible, right? Like it's it's kind of like a different game when you see it like in the hands of the right people. Um, So I think that's super exciting. it's really hard to block. It like introduces dodging back into the game, which I didn't really think about. It was kind of missing from, from my dodgeball life. Like I played a lot of eight point five rubber, and eight point two five foam, and like, those are definitely more of a catcher's ball. And like, in fact, like when I when you would see somebody dodging, you it was kind of like a sign of like inexperience or like, oh wow, like. You know they're 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 in for a, a rude awakening you know um so i do like that like dodging is like a, a thing again um uh i do miss catching i used to be good at catching i was i was watching some <laughs> highlights from like 2018 like nationals and 8.5 rubber was like my favorite ball type at the time and And I was like, man, like (laughs) I used to have, I used to be able to catch. I used to go for catches. (laughs) I do, I do miss that. But, um, but I I think I mentioned this in the pod last time, like, you know, when I went to API, like there were still people making incredible catches with seven inch foam. So it's, you know, it's definitely a skill that I I need to work on and a, a technique that I need to practice.
0: Yeah. I like what you said about it makes you dodge more because, um, that was my go-to when I first started playing foam, like obviously coming from 8.5 my entire life, I struggled. And of course I talked crap about it as much as I could because I, you know, just hated it. But, um, I realized, okay, all right, well, I'm not gonna be able to block as good as I could with an 8.5 or catch. So I guess the only thing I got to do now is, is dodge. And once I kind of figured that out, I also realized I needed to get more agile and lighter. But it, it it brings the dodge back into dodgeball. So, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious what we'll see in um, nationals. You know, in a couple of days, see see what kind of people, what kind of style and game people are are bringing to the table now, because uh, it it just seems like it's evolving. And um, you know, there's still people that make phenomenal plays uh, with with foam. Where where do you where where do you um where does cloth land with you? What what are your thoughts on cloth? I, I've hardly
1: played it at all. Um, I, I played it once like a year ago at like one of the, uh, USA rounds that we had to like show out for the combine. It was, it was like just a cloth and foam round. And so we, we played in both divisions and it was really like fun and silly. Um, I think Frankie Gianetto was on a pod recently and he, said that like it was kind of the novelty of it like everyone was having a fun like goofy time um i i mean i enjoyed it i enjoyed it like i i would like to learn it and get better at it i mean i'm a competitor like i wanna i wanna win or like like perfect whatever it is that i'm trying so i know that like i don't like there's, there's no real opportunities to practice or train here. And I still have a lot of like goals for myself in the world of foam. So, um, I'm not, I'm not letting myself get distracted just yet, but, um, I definitely would like to play more.
0: Gotcha. We tried doing a cloth practice yesterday, some of the cactus dodgeball folks, and my God, that ball's, it's going to take some time to get used to that. (laughs) So I will
1: mention like I traveled to Ireland in 2012 and I played with the old cloth ball and that was the one that they all talked about was like the one you couldn't grip like it would slip out of your fingers and like the one that we have now is like so much more grippier than than that old one the old one was like bigger and it like I wanna say maybe it had a different kind of fabric on the outside. And like the harder you squeezed it, the more it would slip. It was almost like trying to pick up like a wet egg or something like, like I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but but like scooping and like cupping it were like the best way to throw it. And, and I remember that the next time I went back to Ireland um, was in 2018 the ball had changed by that point. And I remember going back and being like, oh, this is this is better. Like I can <laughs> you can kind of whip this and uh, I think that's around. I'm I, my cloth history is not great. Sergio is going to give me a, oh,
0: if he's time stamping, he's like probably pulling his hair out right now. He,
1: yeah, he's going <laughs> to give me a, a, a lashing with a wet noodle, but I feel like I, I wonder if the the change of ball also coincided when they switched from three ball to five ball. Cause I think the first time I played, it was when they were only playing three ball. And then in 2018, I think they were playing five ball by that point. I don't know, maybe not, but, but anyways, like it was fun to kind of like drop in on cloth and then leave and then come back a few years later and like notice some of the changes. And like, I definitely like, like the changes that I'm seeing, like the smaller ball and the more balls. And
0: so, yeah, I had to, uh, have the, the clock explained to me several times yesterday. And I was like, I hope to God, no one asked me to ref this because I'm going to be absolute garbage. Um, and like, so first of all, going back to the clock, ball you mentioned, was, was that the yellow one with the, like, like the red bullseye? Was it yellow? We'll just start there
1: no it wasn't but it was like the size of a volleyball like it was big yeah
0: and uh oh I, you know what i know what you're talking about
1: and it, it felt like super inflated where like you couldn't you couldn't really get into it at all like yeah like you feel like it almost felt like you were a rock climber and you were just trying to find like a little crevice to just get your finger on and like give crimping you like, basically like the littlest bit of a handhold um so it was tough. And I actually I have video of myself playing in 2012. And like it was it was silly. But like um just I guess we're on this topic. Like my brother and I were visiting, or my family, we were visiting, and um we Googled dodgeball in in Dublin and we found a pickup game that was happening. And so we asked my cousin Ashling to take us to the pickup game. And so we went, and I think like when we went there, like they like, you know, we M- Miguel, my brother and I were like super curious to like play dodgeball in another country. And and then Ashling got like recruited in. And so we played, we had a great time. And like, you know, by that point, you know, we had been playing dodgeball for like five years or so. And so we had a lot of experience on on them and so like we were kind of like dropped in from like another planet like and my brother is like like he was like average or below average player, but they were like celebrating him like a king. And it was just awesome (laughs) to hear like Irish dodgeballers saying like, watch out for Miguel, Miguel's gonna get you. And like my brother was not used to like that kind of like positive attention on the dodgeball court. So it was like awesome to like watch him get like celebrated and pointed out as like a ringer. Um, And then when we left, my cousin, Ashleen like kept playing. So she kept going back. So she became a member of their club. And like a few years later, she sent me like a jacket, like a Dublin dodgeball jacket. And it, she had like them put my initials like on the front. So I have like a, a personalized Dublin dodgeball jacket, which is like nice. one of my treasured possessions. But we we went back to Ireland this year because Ashlyn got married and she had since stopped playing dodgeball. But I dropped in on like a pickup session. Cause I obviously can't get enough. And like, Oh, like all the Dodgers, there were, they were just like, this is Ashley's cousin. And they all, like, they all remembered Ashley. And it was like, it was, it was like awesome. It was coming full circle. Like, you know, like that, that circle that had started like 10, 11 years
0: prior. That's awesome. Yeah, talk about a callback to like the community, and never mind like the international scene, and how that can be expanded for people that can visit out there and, and go beyond the states. Might um, be a dumb question, but it's not. I'm not really expecting an answer. I wonder if like other sports have this level of like intimacy for some people.
1: Hmm. I I I wonder. I mean, I feel like it has to be related somehow to the size of the sport. Yeah. Um. But my my teammate mike lyons was traveling in in uh, romania actually and he was near budapest and so he went out of his way to go play with the budapest guys and um he said he was welcomed with open arms and like that's cool it was so cool and like i'm sure it was that way in budapest but like in dublin when i went this last time like it was so Like, the league organizers there, like, I'm sure Sergio, you've picked up on this and Sergio's mentioned it, but like, like, the gyms there are like more like clubs, like they're like, you're like on that club when you go play pickup there. And then like, that club will go play against other clubs. So like at the beginning of the night, they were running drills and and like doing like really good warm-ups and stretching and i was like dang like (laughs) i was like we need more of this (laughs) like back home like it was so cool and yet they were able to like be really intentional and serious about like warm-up and prep but also like super casual and inviting for like new players and 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 visitors
0: that's awesome that's i mean if i could if I had all the time and money and energy in the world, that's what Ronin would have been was like a a dodgeball club where, you know, it's not necessarily just one team. It's, it's several with the intent to like get people into the game and, and try to introduce them to the competitive scene in in any capacity. I I feel like that might be a good way to, to start building up some, some, uh, some competitive teams. And we, we talked about, maybe we'll get into it, like your recommendations for, for league and, um, you know making the difference between competitive and and recreational and uh yeah, maybe we can get back into that but um wanted to ask if you have any Did you have any role models growing up
1: uh, um i'll start with some sports role models um <laughs> my favorite like sports athlete as a kid was the baseball player Kenny Lofton from the Cleveland Indians
0: Kenny Lofton
1: I don't know why I loved Kenny Lofton, but I loved Kenny Lofton. Like when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, like I would save up my money and I would go and went and like bought like uh, Cleveland Indians, like fitted new era cap, like at the mall. Like, like that. That's what I spent my money on. I think it's because the Indians knocked out the Mariners like in the '95. Playoffs and then the Indians went to the World Series in 97. So I was always kind of an Indians fan, but Kenny Lofton was like their center fielder. He was like kind of a Ricky Henderson type player. He was like super fast, like, like an, a good, he hit for like good average. He was really good at stealing bases. And I was, and he was like skinny and fast. And I was like skinny kid who was fast. And I, I loved Kenny Lofton. Huh. Um, And then, so he, Kenny Lofton was like a sports hero of mine for sure.
0: You know, as well as he went to U of A, and I'm pretty sure I have his baseball card still.
1: Whoa, sick. Um, let's see, who else did I really like? I put this on something recently. Like, I love. I think I still do. Kevin Garnett. I love Garnett. KG, like, just what a beast. Like, he. I don't. For people who don't know Kevin Garnett, he was like a seven foot tall NBA basketball player what? who was like just ripped. He was like the, the. I feel like at that point in time in NBA history, like most seven footers were like like
0: noodles. stocky, yeah,
1: or or like total noodles, or you know, like just were like not very skilled not very athletic and like kevin garnett was like a guard who had been like stretched out and was like super skilled super strong super tall and like not only that like he was super intense like he was always like yelling (laughs) he was always like pumping up his teammates and like roaring and and like i just get hyped up whenever i see him and he's like uh he's kind of a talking head now but like i still get like hyped up
0: when i see kg huh you know I've, i didn't i never really follow basketball too much i watched um the last dance with uh, the the bulls and i'm trying to remember mm-hmm. if they mentioned kevin garnett during that time peri- period did he he's
1: he's a little later he's he's, he's later. a little later. so yeah he okay. didn't You probably wouldn't have crossed over with Jordan until his like later years.
0: Yeah, because I was I was googling him. I was like, "There's no way this guy was not in MJ's face." Like, but he was not mentioned. So, okay, that makes that makes some sense. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, Kevin Garnett. Like, just something about his intensity, his like passion, his skill. Like, I just loved it. Like, he just seemed like a player who was just delivering on like every single level that you could ask of a player or a teammate. And I just loved that. Nice. Um, in like outside of sports, like one of my role models was my soccer coach, uh, Steve Moriarty. And, uh, he was my dad's like best man. So he was like a family friend and he, he was the coach of the team that like I transferred to, like once I I quit I quit that team that wasn't giving me playing time and I transferred to this team and he was the coach of that team and I remember a lot like he (laughs) he would drive the carpool to the to the game so like my parents would like drop me off with him and then he would like drive his like uh, slug bug van around the neighborhood and like pick up players and like (laughs) put us all in the van and like drive us to the soccer field and like on those rides, like, to and from the game, like, we had a lot of time to, like, talk, and, like, and, like, it was a great opportunity for me to just kind of, like, gain wisdom from uh, someone who's loved, like, soccer their whole life and, like, coached uh, for for so long, and uh, he was just an awesome, awesome guy, just always positive, super uh, passionate, but, like, never never like, never bringing the team down or anybody on the team down, which I, you know, I hadn't had that from a lot of my coaches up to that point. So I I always really respected him. And when I think about coaching, like he's, he's definitely like a role model for me.
0: Did you, uh, when you coached Team USA, did you take from him or borrow from him? (laughs) I, I wanted to save that for later, but I have to jump on that right now. (laughs) <laughs> sure
1: sure um i mean not consciously but i'm sure i'm sure some of it was in there um i i mean if you want it if you want to talk about coaching we we should we could we could dive in we could do it
0: let me see um, if that's to be covering the you know what let, let's just go for it um yeah. So, um, what, what, what did you bring? Ah, man, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to control myself here. Okay. Cause, okay. cause there's, there's definitely a space for this, uh, cause we kind of talked about it offline. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Uh, I don't know if, okay, don't okay. know if anybody's going to get that reference, but, um, okay, well let's, let's move through the rest. And then, um, cause it's the, the latter part of the question is, is basically like talking about legacy, your impact, uh, that kind of stuff. And I know coaching is going to be, a huge huge part of that piece so i'd rather it all kind of just coincide together but um okay cool um do you have a favorite superhero or a favorite fictional character
1: yeah yeah um i collected comic books as a kid and one of my favorite comic book characters was quicksilver i don't know if you knew quicksilver but he was magneto's son in in like the x-men world
0: yeah twin brother to scarlet witch right they still think yeah they got that right yeah in marvel
1: exactly and quicksilver like he was like fast he was like kind of like an albert like <laughs> kind of like a, a store brand version of the flash right like not as fast <laughs> as the flash not like not totally even a good guy like son of like a super villain Um, I really liked Quicksilver, so, like, I collected Quicksilver comics with, like, my allowance money. Um, I, I mean, I just loved, like, how speedy he was. He had, like, that dark side to him. I was always rooting for him, like, you know, like, when he did bad things, like, I was just like, no, don't do that, you know, like, (laughs) as if, as if I could, like, will him to, to be good. But I really liked Quicksilver. Um... What any other influential fictional characters? Uh. Oh, I Gambit. I loved Gambit. Oh, yeah. I like the I. I liked the X Men a lot. Like I love Marvel, and like I think it was you and like maybe Joey were talking about like the X Men theme. Like that song is so sick.
0: To this day, it's still so sick, dude. Yeah,
1: you guys just like mentioning it had me like whistling it in my head, like that the fox animated oh, x-men man. show was, 10 a.m. Like, yep that was the coolest thing ever i couldn't believe i was allowed to watch that as a child like it felt like a really serious and dark cartoon show
0: it was man it was like you know some heavy tones for like a for me i, was, I think it was like nine or ten starting to understand the parallels between that and like racism and just like you can kind of sympathize with magneto like this guy's not trying to blow up the world just because he's got some some good motivations, like he's trying to protect his 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 own his own kind, his own people. Yeah, it's I'm I'm conflicted. Usually, I'm used to rooting for the for the good guy, just because you know Shredder's a jerk or Krang's a jerk, or you know, <laughs> pick pick your your cookie cutter villain. And uh man, that, that that intro is now stuck in my head, and I'm okay with it. Um Probably not the best thing to go to bed with, but uh, <laughs> why? Uh, I have to I have to ask you about Gambit. Why Why do you like him so much? Because he's he's my favorite as well
1: yes dude yes i'm glad to hear that i mean the the what was it the i forget what his power was called like kin- kinesis or something or um he
0: could take the uh, kinetic energy of something and charge it into an explosive
1: yes so like i thought that was super cool and like creative like you could like you could use it in special ways um so like that was like such a cool power to have i loved like the throwing cards like like I'm sure you did this too, but just like there was a part <laughs> of my day. life where I wanted to learn how to be really good at throwing cards.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I, his look, I mean, he had a cool cloak. His hair was pretty cool. Like a yeah, freaking <laughs> bow
0: staff. He had these really cool shin guards. Uh, he matched, he, he was a solid dude.
1: And like his, uh, he had like that, that, uh, cursed love with rogue right mm. like they could never like touch because if rogue touched you she would take your powers and so it was like this very like tragic uh love affair um he still yeah went, he still is there something
0: like... he still went for her though he still kept relatively loyal to her um he's got a great backstory too i don't know like if you really delve dove into gambit um it's it's wild, and we'll, we'll, I mean, gosh, this is why I, I kind of want to do like a separate podcast of just anything <laughs> goes with some of these um, interviews. But um, I, I loved him because he always struck me as someone that was trying to do the right thing when he had no reason to. Like he chose to be a good guy, and mm. he would get crapped on sometimes by the goody two shoes like Cyclops and people that knew they knew exactly where they fit in. And he's always like this outsider who could have left at any time, but he still chose to do the right thing. So I've mm. always appreciated that about him. It's like, man, this guy could be a villain just as easily as he is a good guy, but he still chooses to do the right thing. And there's a lot of elements about him that I really love. And he had his own series that I um, ended up liking him even more. Uh, I love Gambit. He is like one of my favorite characters of, of all time. Nice. But uh... good.
1: I'm glad I- I'll have to check out that series. Um, I, I, I'd- I, I'd- it had been a long time since I watched the show and I I feel like I never really saw a gambit that I loved in like any of the, the early movies. Um, but I, I did, I kind of, I think I stopped watching after like X-Men three when they started like killing people. Yeah,
0: that was, that was bad. Um, I think X-Men, uh, days of future past kind of fixed some of that or retconned some of it. And, uh, I, I think I stopped after that too. I'm hoping Deadpool with the old school Wolverine there's hints that they'll they'll bring back Gambit in some capacity, but man, they really butchered him in that Wolverine Origins movie. God, that was bad. Mm. <laughs> they massacred <master-tripped> my boy. <laughs> but uh I,
1: I think I think I think I stopped watching all superhero movies after X Men three. Like I think I've really only seen like a handful, like Guardians of the Galaxy or so, you know, like someone was like, you got to see Into the Spider-Verse. And I was like, yes, you do. So, I was like, I'm no. so done with this. And I, I eventually did. And I was okay. like, holy cow, this is amazing. So I'm so glad I went back and, and you know, got back into it for Into the Spider-Verse. I haven't seen the the new one that came out, but I it's on my list.
0: Same. I, I did not know what I was walking into with Into the Spider-Verse and uh, man, Peter B. Parker, he is such a great version of spider-man um god i love i love that movie That, that that almost brought me to tears a few times um oh
1: man and i just like the visuals were so incredible like i'm a i'm a designer i'm an artist like i'm definitely drawn to things like through visuals and like i was just like my jaw was just dropped like the whole movie i was just like this animation style and like everything about the art direction in this movie are just like stunning this is just like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen
0: yeah it was it was a ride like i said man and the music was good too and just the story yeah it was it's definitely one of my favorite movies um of all time now and i'm kind of mm-hmm. that, that's kind of why i haven't watched the second one yet i was like oh, i'm not ready for feels i'm not ready for the emotions yeah. and i don't I don't want to do that to myself just now
1: so, yeah 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 i, I i'm with you
0: So, did you watch any of the, like, Iron Man, Captain America, Avengers movies? Like, did you get to any of those?
1: I think I saw... I haven't seen, like, any of the Avengers. What? I think I saw... I know, I know. It's heresy. But um, I think I saw, like, a couple... I think I saw the first Iron Man, maybe the second one. Like, I I really liked Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Um, But, yeah, I haven't seen any of, like, the Thor or the Avengers or, like... I've seen Thanos memed like crazy, but I've never seen a Thanos movie.
0: Man. I mean, kudos for just not being pulled into that. That's, uh, it's kind of weird now. Cause I think after that whole story arc was completed, people are just like, yeah, I'm kind of kind of over being saturated by superhero movies. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I really like them. There's, there's a lot of good ones in there and there's some movies are like, okay, I just got to get through this just so I can understand this part of the whole timeline but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's wild. I would have I would have assumed, especially since you mentioned Quicksilver. But uh,
1: I, I think like to be honest, like dodgeball just takes up so much of my free time that like there's like I have to really limit my hobbies and like things outside of that because otherwise, like I would have zero personal life. And Michaela, my partner, is already like. Like looking at the clock, like, hey, buddy, like, when are you going to be done with that? Like, can we go hang out together? And so That's outside fair. of dodgeball, my hobbies are pretty limited.
0: Gotcha. Well, if you get, if you ever get into them, um, I'm sure you'll like them, but there's, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I don't know why this question is here. Cause it's, it's a pretty heavy one. So we're just going to move this one down to the end. Um, okay. Okay. That one's not supposed to be there. That's weird. Um, so let's go into the crowdsports questions. And usually the one that kicks it off is, um, this is a Markel Stokes pre-game, um, staple question. That is, uh, you know, actually, my bad. I'm, I'm reading the notes terribly wrong, even though I've done this a million times. What is your pregame ritual? We'll start there, uh, if you have one.
1: Yeah. Um, I, well, I guess like on a tournament day, I try to eat kind of a big breakfast like that that's kind of like the first thing I do I know that I'm not going to be eating very well during the day I'm going to be like snacking and hydrating so I try to start the day with like a full belly if possible um for me that's usually like oatmeal like peanut butter raisins like if I'm at home and I have like my way like I'll put in like some cashews or like chia seeds. Like I'm, I eat pretty healthy. Um, uh, and then like some bananas and like just tons of hydration, like the night before I'm hydrating the morning of like, I'll probably drink like a liter of water, like before I even get to the gym. Um, and then like this year we have, fortune like we we challenged ourselves like this spring we like signed a team contract and like really like raised the bar on our commitment and included like training as a team once a week so like regardless of other leagues that we're playing in our pickup nights like we are training together once a week on top of that um but like one of the things that we committed to was like warming up as a team so nice um We went to Austin, we went to Denver and like at both of those tournaments, I told the guys like, Hey, I want you at the gym, like as doors open and we are going to like hit the ground running. We're going to be warming up as a team doing like stretching, like legs, torso, arms, stretching, and then you're going to get balls out. You're going to like, you know, rev up to a hundred percent so that by the first game we are like at our peak um and in both of those tournaments like it it was it was awesome it was great um so like yeah our our pre-game ritual now is like a full team warm-up and like get that sweat on so that when that first whistle starts you are you've already thrown you know like uh, a dozen balls like at your top speed and that next ball that you put in your hand is going to go right where you want it to
0: that's awesome, man. Um that if I were to start a team next season, that's the exact mentality I would. It would just be all in and it, it would be everyone's bought into, as Tim would say the the program. Um, so I want to ask you how how did you get everyone to buy into that? because it's you know when you when you say something like agreement or contract and you start treating dodgeball as this is a legitimate sport. This is going to be competitive. You know, you're not going to be drinking tomorrow la, the night before and I can be stumbling hungover. You're not going to be socializing. We're like, we're going to stretch as a team. We're going to warm up as a team. There's a very methodical process to it. Did you have any difficulty getting fortune to buy into that? And if not, how, like basically how did you do that with them? Yeah. Um, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. I- I think it it came from like frustration. Like I, I think we had we had come off like a a series of tournaments that we underperformed. We went to Canadian Western Championships and we underperformed, and we played at the thing and we underperformed, and I mean I'm like. I'm a pretty like uh demanding teammate and captain and coach and like I'm also like I don't know kind of a perfectionist like when it comes to myself and and everything and you know like I wasn't happy with like our results and so I I like approached the team and I was like hey like are we happy with these results like and the team was like, no, we're not. And, and I pitched it to them. I said, hey, like, I think we're gonna keep having these results if we don't change our process. Hmm. And so like, what I wanna do is like, I want us to commit to a different process. And like, I kind of threw out some ideas and then we, the team, like we built on it. Like we collaborated and kind of came up with an agreement and, and like we, we are dodgeballers, right? Like all of our team, like we, we've like spent so much of our lives playing dodgeball. Um, that like I think the buy in was pretty high. Like I think maybe on some teams, like that it would be challenging, but like our, our like reason for being together is to be a dodgeball team. Like all of us kind of came to Dodgeball as loners and like and and like, you know, not <laughs> I'd say like we don't hang out outside of Dodgeball. like all of us like when we come together, it's to like it's to work almost, right? like so we already kind of had that relationship. And I think that kind of those those uh, falling short of our goals, uh, kind of like pushed us to re-examine ourselves and, and, and kind of come up with a new approach.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I remember when I first found out that Rise had contracts several years ago, I was like freaking nerds, but then, I mean, look at the result and then I started rethinking, you know, the approach between teams that get better and take this seriously versus teams that are kind of just thrown together and, and move around. And like what you said, it just, are we happy with this? And maybe that's probably the first, the first step, right? Is, um, that like, for lack of better words, come to Jesus moment where you're just taking an honest, hard look at what are you guys doing and what, what is your goal? What do you want and how do you, how do you get there? And so collaborating and, and maybe, you know, discussing that is, is probably a good way. Um, Yeah. I would never have guessed. Uh...
1: yeah, yeah. Like, and we, we are very fortunate, no pun intended, uh, (laughs) to all live in the same city, right? Like that's pretty rare in the top eight teams, right? Like we, we made the elite eight and, um, and same with misfits, right? Misfits and fortune, we all are from the same city. Um, so we have like, A big advantage in that we could like practice together and train together and so to not take advantage of that is like a big opportunity missed so with that contract or with that agreement we started doing those weekly training sessions and like it's like my my favorite day of the week like I'm looking forward to Thursday nights and like we have like a terrible (laughs) gym time like we play from nine 9 to 11 p.m. on Thursday nights, but, but I, I cherish it, you know, like it's, it's the one night a week that I, I will not miss.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, there's a, a meme that I, I don't know if it means like there, there's this picture where it's like a bunch of high school or maybe college kids in a bus, like going to a baseball game. And the meme was like, you need to cherish these moments because they're, they don't last forever. And that struck a chord with me because it's like, man, dodgeball is, you know, it, it's not where we want it to be, but it's, it's still something. It still gets you up. I don't want to say gets you up in the morning, but it's just, it makes you want to play. It makes you want to get better. It, it gives us something to talk about, podcast about it. Like it kind of goes back to what it felt like playing, you know, baseball in high school and, and sports and like, you get that back and like, to be able to be, um, especially at my age to still experience that in some small capacity is really cool. And, uh, it's, it's cool seeing that teams are, are starting to take that mentality now. And it's not just like, you know, the rise or, or maybe anarchies, maybe absorb some of that, that behavior. Now it's like teams like misfits fortune, um, you know, who else is out there doing, taking it this seriously. That's just really cool to hear, man. Um, it definitely would make the, the 9 to 11 sessions like worthwhile too i imagine like sucks but you know it's not going to last forever um and
1: there's there's some nights like we're the last people in the gym that night and we we close up afterwards and and there's some nights where we're going we're like still in there at midnight like we're still going um so it's it's good it's a good vibe
0: i bet man so um kind of veered off from the ritual uh, you had mentioned like you just you know eat a big breakfast you try to stay relatively healthy you kind of mentioned the you know the agreement that kind of brings everybody into said ritual so it's not just a you thing um, is there anything else that that goes into this like um,
1: I, I think like the last thing I would say is like I've, I've had a lot of injuries over the years and like I've noticed a strong correlation between injury and and not warming up correctly right and so (laughs) i i've noticed that the less i want to warm up the more i actually need it right like the (laughs) the more tired and like fatigued that my body is the more important it is that i warm up and i would just i would recommend that to any dodgeballer out there is to like just invest 10 15 minutes in your body and go through those motions um I used to I used to like say hi to everyone when I got to the gym because I just love seeing all these dodgeballers and and Bill Fisher had to come remind me like hey no no you gotta you gotta warm up like you'll say hi to them later so like Bill would Bill was looking out for me because he knew that I would aggravate injuries or I would pick up little like um strains if i if i didn't do everything so uh, that's like another reason that i try to get it in there
0: gotcha so on thursday friday morning whenever things began just uh just avoid lucas let him let him warm up (laughs) (laughs) he's not being rude he's just trying to not get injured yeah um so the staple question for markel was what song uh, amps you up for a dodgeball game and you'd said you made a spotify playlist for anyone that wants to hear your faves um yes. i'm assuming we'll link this in the in the comments right
1: let's do it yeah but I, i'll just throw out some of them yeah, i was
0: gonna like, ask me at least a, a few
1: My like one of my favorites of all time is like this disco version of beethoven's fifth <laughs> of course it's called the <laughs> fifth of beethoven by walter murphy and it like, it starts out like the original, like da-na-na-na, da na na <laughs> And then it like gets this like groovy, like disco beat. And like, <laughs> it just makes me, <laughs> I just get really silly. And like, it just kind of makes me really happy and like joyous. Um I would say like my pump up playlist is like made up of songs that are either just like over the top, like joyful. Um, or like <laughs> really, there, there's some that are like kind of like hard, like not very accessible, like really maximalist, like intense, like techno, like electronic stuff. Like there's like a Flying Lotus song called Computer Face Pure Being. It's just like noise and like beeps and boops, but like something about like the, the tempo is like so frenetic that it it kind of like that one in particular like reminds me of being in this like super stimulating like dodgeball game where balls are flying and and like my attention is bouncing from here to there to there there so like i think like i don't know like each of the songs in there are are just songs that i love that like move me emotionally or just kind of like pick my energy level up um there are a few in there that are like really kind of like moody and, and slow. And and like, I don't know, maybe this playlist is like maybe not best listened to like all at once, but like, these are all songs that at one point I have like listened to, to like get myself in the mood or like
0: to focus. You know, the word uh, eclectic comes to mind. Is that, is that like an accurate description?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got like J Dilla on here. Who else? I got the Doors, uh, outcast, Prince, Rick James, the B-52s. Like, yeah. So it, it bounces around. Cocteau
0: Twins. Well, when you're mentioning like the the beeps and the boops, um, I was like, that sounds chaotic. But then it reminds me of the Avalanche's, and I was like, no, there's 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 a group out there that I like that's like that. Like it's very it's just a lot of noise to someone that hasn't heard it before. Um and I think if if memory serves me correctly, you're one of the few people I don't know was it you and Joey we yes. were talking about no, like
1: dude you're like the only one that I you're the only person I have talked to about the avalanches and yeah. like I, we we share that bond I was really excited when you and Joey were talking about it
0: that that put me through like I listened to uh since I left you over and over again I'm like it's like I found a new or uh, rediscovered an old flame I was like oh I missed this and I listened to like the whole album and then uh yeah, that that was that brought back so many memories because i that album came out like twenty, 20 years ago
1: yeah yeah
0: and your, yours was I think
1: it was two thousand yeah
0: I told you electricity was my favorite and then three fourths time and then you liked frontier psychiatry right that's what got you into it
1: no that was joey I, I forget what I told you that I liked initially um but I remembered that you liked electric city and I think what Got, made us this connection is I went to an Avalanche's concert this year, and I posted about it, and I think you replied or you, you were like you saw it and you were like oh I love that band and I was just like really holy cow yeah um, but yeah anybody out there who doesn't know the Avalanche's check out the album Since I Left You it is just like this beautiful tapestry of samples and like vibes that just kind of like move in and out of each other it's like a really nice like you know hour long listen and like it's a great i i mean i love putting it on like while i'm doing like computer work and it's just it's a good time
0: it really is i i've always fantasized of like having an avalanche theme party where it's like cuz i feel like it's it's really good just background music in a high rise condo with a bunch of like sophisticated people Enjoying themselves. Like that's the visual I get with some of the songs on there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I will tell you that like Electricity or Electric City like live, like was like that oh, feel felt like the moment that like the place just exploded. Like it was just it was so awesome.
0: Man. Yeah, I'm 19 again. uh oh, dang. All right, well, um, so no Metallica, huh? Nothing, nothing crazy like that with your playlist. Let's see. I mean, what's the
1: most hardcore thing I have on there? Um, like, I don't know if you know the Cocteau Twins, but it's like, do do you know them at all?
0: I, I don't. Never heard of them. It's
1: it's. Um, you would I think you would call it like like dream pop. It's it's, eighties like like 84 I, I want to say is like the album that I have on here
0: Laura okay.
1: it's like really like echoey like shrill vocals almost like angelic and then like really kind of like moody synthy like guitars that like with tons of reverb reverb and echo and like it's it's definitely emo it's definitely like like kind of over the top and maximalist but like hmm something about it is just amazing but this song that i put on there musette and drums is like it's like i don't know i think it's really i think it's hard i think it's it's intense
0: yeah <laughs> check out your your playlist uh just be like man what is just try to visualize that when you're when i'm watching you play on the dodgeball court i'm like huh just try <laughs> to try to piece it together see if it see if it makes sense um I
1: feel like the last one that I just want to talk about is the B-52s like I love the B-52s they're like they are one of my like artistic inspirations there's just they're like I, I mean Rock Lobster like uh, <laughs> Love Shack those are like their hits right and are like they're so ubiquitous that they're like kind of like passe like almost like you know cringy to like hear those but like I just love that band so much. They're just such a party. They just, they sound like they're having fun, like making their art and like, they're inviting you to like have fun with them. Um, So I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod yet, but like, I don't drink, I don't drink at all. And I have always admired karaoke but like without without uh alcohol it's kind of hard to muster the courage to do it but Michaela and I like I think the first time I did karaoke was Michaela and I Michaela encouraged me and we went up and did a B52 song we did uh, My Private Idaho and nobody knew the song but like <laughs> we were having such a good time like singing it to each other and like going back and forth that like, it it kept me from like being self-conscious. Like I just kind of like blacked out and had a good time.
0: Man, uh, there are a lot of things that I will do that require a lot of bravery, but uh, karaoke is not one of them. <laughs> and it, it's not even like sober, absolutely not. I think I'd rather, I won't say what I'd rather do, but there's I, like, there's no amount of alcohol that would ever get me to do karaoke. <laughs> so kudos Uh, to you man for for doing that sober
1: (laughs) oh man
0: oh man yeah i I never understood um karaoke yeah uh,
1: let's let's put the playlist in the comments i would love to hear if anybody's digging these songs and uh, steve i would love to hear if you have any favorite songs on here so please please take a listen and let me know if you if you like any of them
0: yeah i might i might pick up a, a new band or a new a new sound um Let's definitely check that out and let, you know, um, let's see. So let's go to the, the crosswords question. So some of these came from Facebook and I think some of them came from Instagram. Uh, but gauge asks, uh, what, what's the plan for the thing next year? Same turnout, new ideas.
1: Yeah. Good question gauge. Uh, so yeah, I've been hosting the thing in Seattle for the last two years. Um, It came on as kind of like a dream, like we had just won FDC for the first time. And I was thinking, like, what do I want? And I was just like, I dreamt up this like super competitive tournament and it had, you know, the best teams from North America. And so like I set out to, like, make that happen. So I reached out to a ton of team captains across the U.S. and Canada. And I was like, what do you think about this idea? And people were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so I really, I pushed really hard. So it was one of my goals uh, of 2022 was to host a tournament like that. And um, dude, it, it's been great. It's been a dream. It's, it's super, super, super hardcore, super competitive. Like one of my goals for that tournament was that every round robin match was just a battle. And... And it has been so far. Like our first year, Fortune. Like going into our sixth round robin match, no, into our fifth round robin match, we were like o two and two. So we had zero wins, okay. two losses, and two ties, and and we ended up like winning our next two matches. We beat Mavericks and we beat hardest foam. So we finished like two two and two, right? Like totally even like across the board. And and like I felt like that was like a good sign of like a really competitive field. Um so yeah, so we've we hosted the first one. We hosted the second one. We made some changes. The second one we split it to a two-day event. So the first day was all round robin and the second day was knockouts and placement matches. Um, I think the two day, we're gonna stick with the two day. I think it worked really well for people and it it made time for those knockout matches. Um, we, let's see, up to this point, it's been, it's supposed to be five Canadian men's teams, five American men's teams, five Canadian women's teams and five American women's teams. We might expand that this year. we might push it to six so we might push up the total number to 24. Um, we last year we cranked out some like qualification criteria so we we based it like off of like final placement at like key tournaments um We need to announce something quick because we are definitely going to use USA nationals final placements as like the american criteria i think like the second level of criteria might revert to like points um from like the uh the rounds now that the u.s has the point system Hmm. um and then like for canadian teams we look at uh their national championship final placements and and I think we might also extend invites to provincial winners next year. Um, so that's that's kind of like what's cooking up. It's it's definitely hard. It's hard to like build a system. Like our goal is to like create a system that teams can qualify for. Uh, it's hard to like get that system out in advance because the Canadian Dodge Roll year and the American Dodge Roll year are like don't overlap almost at all like like theirs has been done like all summer and ours like started like when theirs was finishing um so whenever you introduce changes or rules like it's in time for one of those seasons but it's not in time for the other people's season so um i'm gonna see if we can get something out before nationals so that everybody at the usa nationals knows what's up but um yeah. Our, our goal is always just to make the most competitive thing possible. And we really want to encourage teams to participate and play at the most competitive events like in Canada and the U S. So we, we want to use those events as our qualifying criteria. So that's kind of the rationale behind stuff. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope that answers your question. Gage.
0: Nice. I'm, I'm glad he, he asked that cause that would have been something I would have brought up. Um, just because I think we had talked about some of the things that you guys were up to um, a couple of months, a couple of months back and maybe we'll revisit those in some of the other questions to follow. Um, you know, I was, I was bracing for this one. Um, I'm going to scroll down because I, I don't think he did it. I'm actually shocked. Um, Mark um, So he says, I, so I know you're a basketball, basketball fan. Who are your favorite players in his position in the nineties? <laughs> 2000s and 2010s era of basketball
1: uh okay markel we don't have time for that (laughs) yeah but what i will say is that i am a huge new orleans pelicans fan and and uh i was a sonics fan and then seattle lost their basketball team so i had to pick a new team i picked the pelicans i've been an avid fan for like the last 10 or so years and i i watch almost every game uh I don't really know many other Pelicans fans. So if there's any Pelicans fans out there, hit me up.
0: Um, did, did I hear that right? You said Seattle lost your team? What?
1: Yeah, yeah. The Seattle, we used to have the Seattle Supersonics and they left in 2008 or thereabouts. Where are they now? They became the Oklahoma City Thunder. What? Yeah, this is like, this is like, seattle sports trauma like like, huh. like everyone when you talk about the nba people usually start by cringing a little bit they're like
0: oh i see that's well i mean i just show so much basketball i don't follow because i i was, I was like I, I heard that i was like i, I know i heard that right um weird. you ever okay. heard
1: of like gary payton or sean kemp
0: no um damn steve damn yeah no i'm sorry okay
1: Okay. No worries. No worries.
0: What am I? What am I missing there? Are they... Oh,
1: those are like the two legendary Sonics. Like the Sonics made the. Uh, you would have seen the Sonics in the Last Dance because the Sonics played against the Bulls in the finals. In
0: yeah, who was the 90s? guy that got in in Michael Jordan's face and was like, "Yeah, I was all over him, and I showed him what's <laughs> up." And Michael Jordan's like, "I was just tired." <laughs> like, <the disrespect. laughs> That's
1: Gary Payton. Okay. Gary Payton is like a tough sob he is from oakland he's a badass
0: okay okay so i mean i again my whole knowledge is of that that documentary series which
1: yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah
0: i remember um i mean you know like growing up in the late 80s 90s like michael Jordan was everywhere so i remember some of those uh, commercials but yeah i definitely never Never followed basketball. I played NBA Jam a lot. That's uh, about as much as I got into it. Um, yeah. That, I'm going to that, that send
1: great. you a Gary Payton mixtape, and you're going to love Gary Payton by the end of it.
0: That sounds good, because in the documentary, I was like, this guy's annoying. He's not that good. <laughs> like, he's trying to act like he, he he clowned or owned Michael Jordan just again. I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> <He just, laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I, this should just be a stable question for Markel as well. Um, our Fortune jersey is going to be for sale again, and uh, he wants one. So yeah, oh, he wants Markel, a Lucas jersey. Uh,
1: Bill, Bill Fisher is the Fortune jersey seller. So if you ever need a Fortune jersey, uh, hit up Bill, and he can add you to the next order that we do.
0: Nice. He does have a few more, so we'll just we'll just make this the Markel section. Um, what do you think of that guy Markel? And also did you miss Seattle having an NBA bat? So yeah, you got, you covered that one. See, <laughs> See? Markel knew. Yeah. Uh, you know
1: what? I got to give Markel some flowers. He, I've always known Markel from like the message boards and, and playing him at elite here and there. But when I was visiting LA, I went to a pickup game on Sunday at uh, in West Hollywood. I think it was. And Markel was the pickup host and he was so awesome. Like, he he was the person who welcomed everybody he like collected dues and like he just set the tone he was such a good pickup host and like i i think about markel sometimes when i'm when i'm being a host like i i'm like i want to do it like markel did it
0: markel is awesome i remember in austin just hanging out with him um at the, at the ball state booth and he showed me a fraction of his jersey collection and um but it's just cool, like, sitting down and talking to him and keeping me company. And then he even helped me in um, one of the Sin Cities. Um, in fact, I even think he helped us sell... Um, oh, man, uh, ho shirts, too. Like I, like, I love hanging out with him um, as much as he hates on my cowboys. And this is what I was going to say. So he doesn't ask, do the cowboys suck? And I was expecting that. I was literally expecting him to ask that. So I'm going to ask that for you. Do you. What do you think of the cowboys, Lou?
1: I, I'm a Seattleite. So like, I kind of hate the front runners. Like I hate the Lakers. I hate the Yankees. I hate the Cowboys, I hate the Patriots. Um, whenever possible, I'm rooting for Seattle teams there. So yeah, sorry. Sorry to all those fans out there, but I'm, I'm always rooting for the underdogs.
0: That was those that was for you, Markel. Um, <clears throat> so Dominic, he asks, um, how is coaching at Worlds able to help you play at Worlds?
1: Yeah, that's like a that's a loaded question. There's a lot there, right? Um I will say when I started coaching for Team USA in 2018, um I didn't know much about 7-inch foam or like the meta game or the strategy and it was like thrilling because you know we were scouting and like trying to learn like player tendencies but like we were like literally like piecing things together like the night like we would play a game and we would watch it on video that night and like we'd be like learning things like on the fly so it it was it was a super fun experience working with coach Brett Furlong in LA and like It it was like (laughs) no other dodgeball experience I had had up to that point where you like, you know, when you go home and you're like it like a tournament happened and you're at the bar and you're talking about the best plays and you're talking about the would have been, could have been, should have been moments like we were doing that, but we were like watching the video and like doing that for every single moment and like analyzing everything. And then instead of going back to your normal life, like we normally do, we would just wake up the next day, go back to the arena and play more. And then we would do it again that night. And then we would, it was just like, it was like dodgeball being pumped straight into your veins. Like it was just like,
0: (laughs) just into my veins, please.
1: The most concentrated form of dodgeball potency imaginable. And, uh, it was definitely bad for my sleep and it it was uh it was tough but um it was great to do it with Brett. Brett is like Brett is like super awesome and he's so passionate about dodgeball and he's like such so he's got such good attention to detail and like together like we were picking up different things and like collectively we were getting a lot and we were able to like share that with the team. Um, one of the hardest things about coaching is like, like doing lineups and like doling out playing time. Um, I, I I'm getting, I'm like slowly working my way to Dominic's question. So I, I, anyone out there, I'm I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I promise. Um, but like coming up with lineups is really challenging because typically you have like a 12 person roster. And only six people are playing. You're also like playing in like a tournament that's four or five days long, and so like you're trying to see kind of where your players are at, who's hot, who's not, um, seeing who's going well together, who's fitting in different positions. Um, so you're trying to experiment, but you're also trying to win. So you're kind of like balancing these different goals. Um, In Cancun, we actually instituted rest days, right? Like there were days where we benched like certain players. We said, you're just, you're off today because we wanted to give their body a chance to rest before like we ramped up for the playoffs. So there's all these logistics. There's just so much to consider. Um, And so knowing that knowing all that when I was a player I was it was hard like not being a part of all those conversations like or decision making right I I was I was involved but I wasn't I wasn't the one like coming up with the ideas or making decisions and but I having been a coach, like I knew it was all coming from somewhere. Right. And that it all had a lot of thinking and intention behind it, even if I wasn't clued into the discussion or the reasoning behind it. Right. Um, so I think it gave me, it gave me a lot of trust with the, with the coaches and like, it's hard because like, All of us, like everyone on Team USA, like men's and women's, cloth and foam, is probably the best player or one of the best players on their club team and is probably at the center of all the decision making on your club team. And, and like to go from that to being one of 12 and, and like fighting for playing time and like, trying to make the most of every opportunity. It's like a big, it's a big change. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it, it gave me it, it gave me a little more empathy when I was confused as a player or when I when I was like uh not not given the level of control that I have normally with with my club team fortune.
0: Gotcha. No, I appreciate you kind of just shedding some some more information just behind the whole thing. And um, again, I was debating on bringing this up later on because I, I do want to delve into, you know, how, how does one coach Team USA and how do you look at, you know, 12 individuals with not egos, but just, you know, the highest talent possible and how do you make that work? And how do you decide, you know, which... I was gonna say weapons package goes first, um, based on, you know, which teams are playing, but that's a lot to, to handle. I mean, just, it's just, that uh, there's a lot of, um, a lot of really cool high dodgeball theory stuff I wanted to get into later on, uh, for lack of better words, but, um, maybe there's some elements we might revisit just kind of taking some notes on the side. Sure. Uh,
1: and, and like, I, I'll just share that, like my first year coaching, like I, I was, honored to be invited to coach with Brett Furlong and to work with that team like those the players on on Team USA my first year coaching were like people that I had looked up to for like most of my dodgeball career and are like legends of this sport and to get to work with them was just such a privilege and I was so grateful to be a part of that. I was pretty honest with them right away that I didn't really know what it meant to be a coach. And, and I didn't really know like what it meant to coach that team, but I said, I I told them that I was passionate about winning and that I wanted to support them however they needed it. And I think the players were receptive to that. Um, as I mentioned before, like most of us aren't used to having a coach, right? We're not used to giving up that control. And so I think there needs to be a lot of trust. and it was hard to to have that trust right off the bat with a new team. But I think Brett and I uh, did a great job of earning it, and then Brett and Jeremy, when I was a coach or a player, I, I, brett and jeremy are are putting in the work like it's evident to everybody on our team and and i think the players really respect that and uh so yeah
0: now are we talking about brett furlong for 2019 yes yes and then brett cobble for this past year
1: i will no brett i've never worked with brett cobble so whenever i say brett it's just you, you mean
0: cobble. Furlong. okay gotcha yeah and then jeremy Lapierre, right
1: yeah. Yeah. Brett and Jeremy, they're, uh, they are workhorses. They put in the work off the court and I feel, I feel great like having them in our corner.
0: Definitely. You know, you know who gave me like a a unique perspective of it was, um, Nick Factorin as a team manager, just like the logistician of how to get people to and from the venue, uniforms, supplies, that kind of stuff. like it started to make you realize like just how much um how much more sophisticated these events are becoming now. Um, wonder Nick
1: Nick, Nick Factorin was like a hero in Edmonton because he was doing all of the logistics work. he he was the team USA team manager, I think was his title. and he was doing so much work that just enabled you know the 40 of us to like move around for a week right and and just do stuff like in in uh in mexico in cancun and la we were kind of all just like fending for ourselves and and there was a lot of work that was being done by a lot of different people that um could have been like done more efficiently or um and, and nick nick really stepped up and like made that happen so shout out to nick for helping us so much
0: definitely well speak of the devil he asked what's the best way to introduce dodgeball to absolute newbies
1: Ooh.
0: before um, before i lose yeah. it again make sure that they their names are known before they get blasted that was uh yes. that was a good you've one? you've
1: learned steve you've learned um I okay, a couple things. First, one, my advice to everyone is just when people say dodgeball, like, can you dodge a wrench? You know, when people quote the movie, just nod your head and say, Yes, yes, that's yep. that's exactly what I'm playing. So, that's my first tip is like, say yes and then tell them more, right? Like, like, like most people are kind of excited when they hear that you play dodgeball and like. The fact that they know about the movie is a good starting point as cringy as it is to all of us, um, but use that, just say yes, let it roll off your shoulders and then like ask them if they want to know more and like bring, bring them into our world. Um, so that's like my like icebreaker tip is to like just suck it up and take the the movie quote punches. Um, my advice is to bring people to like pick up nights and let them like people love throwing the ball. Like you cannot throw a ball and hit people anywhere else in society and like snowball fights, water balloon fights. Like these are all cheap versions of dodgeball. Dodgeball is the best version of all this. And, uh, so give them put a ball in their hand and reload them whenever they throw. Like put another ball in their hand. Let them throw till they're tired of throwing or till their body says no more. Um, that that's my advice is reload. So when I play in the social leagues here in the rec leagues, I'm like dodging. I'm 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 kind of doing a lot of silly stuff, but I am like trying to give balls to the players who are new maybe are kind of hiding in the back or like just trying to stay alive, I usually give them a ball and say, go do something crazy, go do something <laughs> fun, go try something new. Um, Cause that's the best way to learn. That's the best way to have a good time. Like we're all gonna get out, right? So at least have some fun before you get out. Um, anything else? I mean, keep it, keep it simple. Like don't bog anybody down with strategy on their first night, like unless they ask for it, right? Like let them, it, dodge roll is so stimulating and like new and uh, interesting. Like the first time you play it, like just let them process it in their own way and like experience it and like be there. Let Let them know you're there if they have any questions or if they, you know, want to talk about dodgeball but like like i think i think a lot of us have the tendency to like overwhelm people with tips their first night and like you know just let them let them go for it
0: that's a good point because like you're you're really excited you want them to stick around and you just like maybe you feel like if i just give them some advice they'll come back and you know because you you're just you're just excited and um I like we said, like you just you just have to let them experience it and, and kind of find that on their own and, and not overwhelm them. Like you said, unless they ask, and then yeah. I don't know if it, was it Michelle I was talking to about like the Dodge the Wrench quotes and comments. I, I like I realized after it was like a couple of years ago. Um, I stopped taking it like personal, like everybody else does. Like ho oh, oh, like the movie, and I just realized like most people are just like like you said, they're excited. And they're just trying to connect with you. And once I realized that, I was like, yeah, I actually just like the movie. In fact, there used to be tournaments in Vegas. And there's all kinds of weird team names sometimes. And you know, then the conversation continues into something productive like we play every Tuesday and, and whatnot. But once I realized, um, I made that shift in perception, um, I just realized, that, yeah, people are just trying to relate. And what better way than a movie that's like 20 years old at this point, which is really cool. So I'm glad you yeah. kind of mentioned that too
1: yeah I, the last thing i'll say is like i think people remember how you made them feel right so if i i'm an organizer and and a a dodgeball seattle board member so i one of my goals is to recruit and like keep people in our community so i definitely i try to introduce myself to people i don't know when i'm out there so i would recommend that to all organizers like if there's people you don't know like like do the thing that's scary and just put yourself out there and say hey i'm i'm lucas and i'm one of the organizers here like i've, I've never seen you before or like hey welcome or like what's your name yep. and like make those connections because um and then, and then like offer just say hey let me know if you have any questions or just put yourself out there as a resource if, if they want it later because I've found that people are most likely to come back when they make connection, positive connections. And, um, and like, if you wanted to like even go as far as introduce a new person to another player, like, Hey, this is, this is Steve Damon. Like he's, he's one of our regulars. He's been playing for a long time. Like Steve, meet, meet uh, Sheila. This is her first night. She found us on meetup and like, just, you know, like putting those people together and, and, I think those are some other little things that I've noticed that have worked over the years.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we said, it's, it's people are going to remember how you made them feel. And, um, I mean, that's just very well said. Uh, most people are, I, what's that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Those I was just going to say like the fact that people have made that leap of faith to play dodgeball is huge, right? Yeah. like, it is so hard to get people in the door. So like once they get in the door, like, like we need to see that as like a a special opportunity, right. To like, to like seal the deal and, and really like welcome this person to our community.
0: That's what I was just going to say. Cause it's, it, it, it's probably, it's a leap of faith to even go play dodgeball where people, the goal is to throw stuff at you. And then you're walking into a, an open gym with tons of strangers it's, it's a lot. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Cause it's, we forget, right? Like we're we're just, you, we, since the days of yellow hoodie, sorry, man, I'm going to get that in there every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> you, even you had, you know, some apprehension in playing. And, um, I think we, we we're just so caught up in our own world and so involved. We, we forget what it's like to be a complete outsider. So I'm sure welcoming people and introducing ourselves to them and it's going to go a long way versus, uh, let me hit this guy as hard as I can and show him what real dodgeball is. That's never that's never the right way to go about it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, let's see. Rogelio asks, um, Rogelio Sanchez asks, what are some of your favorite places that you've traveled to because of dodgeball?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta give Roy a shout out. Uh, when I met Roy in Mexico City, Um, he and Gigi, like just rolled out the red carpet for me and my traveler buddies. Um, I went down there with Anarchy, Armando and Andrea, like we're incredible hosts. They showed us the city and then the day after the tournament, Roy and Gigi, like, I can't believe this, even to this day, like they, they hosted this tournament, this like, like two day tournament. And then the next day they like had the energy to like give a tour to me and, and my fellow Americans around Mexico city all day. And then like, take, take us home to Roy's family house and like sit us down with his mother and his, his like, you know, his family.
0: That's pretty
1: cool. like share, you know, share a drink at their table. It was just like, it was so special. It was so special. And and like, I, I can't say enough about the the scene, the dodgeball scene in Mexico City. Like the players are so passionate. They're playing dodgeball five to six nights a week. And the organizers there, Luis and, and Roy and Gigi, and there's, there's more, uh, shout out to all the organizers. Um, they are like so diehard dodgeballers. Like they're like giving, giving their lives to the game. Like it's incredible to see. And, and it's amazing to like know that you share that bond, right? Like th- that, like if you love dodgeball, you're in a place with people who love dodgeball. And like, because of that, you can be in community with them. Um, So... Yeah, I gotta gotta start with Mexico City and Roy and Gigi. Um, I'm looking forward to hosting them someday in Seattle if if they can make it all the way up here. Um, I was lucky enough to play in Ireland. I mentioned that, um, and and like similarly like to be welcomed with open arms. Um, the community is like smaller in Ireland, and like. But like the passion and like uh, quality of like the organizers is like just as much uh, world class as, as anywhere I've seen, and like it, it it was such a treat. Like I drove all the way across town at rush hour just to make it in there for you know a ninety minute session, and I was so grateful that I did, and all. I'll cherish those memories forever playing with those guys. And uh, so Dublin was awesome. Uh, The last one that I'll shout out is uh, I got to go to Malaysia this year. Um, So I went to API. I played in Kuala Lumpur. and, And that was incredible. Like, I felt like I was going to, like, where it was all happening like where compet the scent like the mecca of competitive dodgeball right like really world champion men's malaysian team um like like seeing them up up close and seeing the communities that they are coming from and like the club dodgeball scene in malaysia and just like the community that's built around dodgeball it's like very different in some ways, but like very similar in others. And like, it was, it was such a treat to like go there and see it firsthand. And like, uh, yeah, just, yeah, it was awesome. I I'd love to talk about any of those. If, if you're, if you have any follow-ups,
0: you know, I I'm curious, like what, what the Mecca of dodgeball means to you because, for me, it used to be L.A. Um, yeah. It used to be, in my opinion, maybe still is Canada. And then it, it would seem between maybe Philly dodgeball and what's going on in the Pacific Northwest, it's like shifting. But I feel like these are very Western-centric mentality. Like, I don't know what else is out there, right? I mean, Sergio's done a really good job painting a really good picture, but I haven't seen it myself, right? yeah so what uh when you say this is where it's at like what does that mean is it because they they, they're they really good they've always been good tons of people like what can you
1: i mean i'll tell you what i saw like i saw i saw like 50 players who 50 to 100 players who were like as good as me or better right like i just saw like (laughs) i saw like such quality such quantity like just such skill and so many skilled players like the teams there were so impressive and like what i'm coming to learn like one of the big differences between dodgeball in the states and dodgeball in malaysia is the malaysians play with like that club system that we were talking about earlier right so uh we will call let's say your club is called uh, evil dodgeball evil dodgeball evil dodgeball club and like your club would have a senior team and it would have like a b team and some clubs even have a c team so like there's like three tiers of this club and so they're like these ladders for players to like get in to competitive dodgeball and like work their way up to the senior team and there was probably like f- at least 5 clubs from Kuala Lumpur just Kuala Lumpur so like Damn. imagine if like your city had 5 different teams but within those teams there's like a team b team c team so there's like 15 teams and and this is just like in one division like men's division like women's division we would double that um so just like huge concentration of players that are like constantly playing against each other like really competitively and like pushing the meta like like these players grew up on the WDBF strategy and like are already like you know like changing the strategy and and like it has already like evolved in such a way that you're you're watching them play and And they're, like, I'll just speak for myself. Like, some of the things I was seeing out there were, like, beyond my comprehension. (laughs) Hmm. Like, and I'm not saying that, like, hyperbolically. Like, like, I feel like I know how to see the game and, I like, I know what to expect. And, like, in some cases, there were things happening that were just unexpected or just uh, I was, like, I guess the wrong thing completely. Um, so it was really awesome to watch this happen and watch it happen at such a high level and to be executed at such a high level. Um, so, yeah, like, I think that's what I mean by the Mecca. Like I was, I felt like this is where the highest level of WDBF foam, seven inch foam dodgeball is being played anywhere.
0: That's wild. man. to be relatively wealthy and have an abundance of free time because i would have gone just to watch that and talk about it and make like a you know advice level type of video series on it and just to show people what what's out there someday um
1: i i fully recommend uh going to an api at some point like you could either as a player or just as a fan but like it is There was incredible representation. Um, Like there were teams from Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia. There was a team from India. There was a team from Hong Kong. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. There was teams from Canada. There's players from the US. Um, But just like a lot of communities that we don't often see Uh, outside of worlds like they were there and it was really cool to see like club teams that were representing those communities and like representing kind of like that style of play and to to be able to see like the cream of the crop from each of those communities was just like such a treat um what else the oh the last thing i wanted to say is that like there was tons of youth dodgeballers tons like The Malaysians specifically were, like, from their, I'd say, like, low 20s to mid 20s. So, like, already, like, a lot younger than, like, the average American dodgeballer. Um, The players from Hong Kong were, like, they had players as young as 10. So, like, they had, like, really young players from Hong Kong. And, like, some of these 10 and 12-year-olds were really good. They were, like, they were warming up outside the gym and like we just hear this like thunderous slam and we hear it again and again and we go around the corner and there's like this little girl who's probably like 11 years old just wailing the ball with like every ounce of her strength like and so i think i I think i like volunteered shoda i said shoda get in there and so like so this little girl is just like taking shots at shoda and like she i can't remember what happened with shoda but like different adults would take turns and she was just like chesting people it was like <laughs> oh no. so sick and it was just it felt like a treat to like see the future of dodgeball like right like we don't have any youth dodgeball in the states and like i had never encountered like a child who played dodgeball before and it was so awesome and so i i think um yeah that was that was something that stood out about that environment
0: that's really cool and then just like knowing that this this girl has clubs and there's a ladder there's like a an ascension to work towards um versus like you know even if we had youth dodgeball here it, it's it, it was just not as developed like where are they going to go you know um like the path is more clear sounding over there anyway with all these clubs. I I think the club model is like the way to go. I mean playing armchair quarterback here. Um Yeah, I we'll, we'll see where my life takes me in the next couple of years, but I would like to go out there and and just see it. Um God, there's just Again, the, these 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 parts we're probably going to have like a part 3 now. Like they can just create their own little podcast episodes because there's again just so many um there's a lot to cover but we'll, we'll try to get through like the Facebook crowdsource questions and we might have to okay. break off there um Casey Selmoni asks oh man see this is going to cost another 30 minutes probably what what do you think <laughs> makes a good teammate
1: like i mean i can i can i can make these brief um, what makes a good teammate I uh, I think like being, being flexible. Um,
0: like you talked about I, buy-in I, too, right? Like having everyone on the same page.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same like goal. every team has different strengths and weaknesses. And like, I think a great teammate is somebody who can kind of like move into roles that are needed. Right. And some, and, and maybe like having the skills to like fill those needs. Um, So I think that that's a great teammate. Um, I mean, I think like the emotional part of that, a great teammate, like I think can lift the team up when it's needed um, or or, like lift a player up when that's needed, right? Like dodgeball is super frustrating. Uh, The other team is trying to do their best to like make you fail. And so they're going to (laughs) be... they're going to make it happen at times. And so I think a great teammate is somebody who can recognize those moments and, and kind of be there to support their team, uh, not just physically, but emotionally as well.
0: That's big because it's the mood of the team can really like impact how well everyone does or, or doesn't do. And, um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, past, um, like teammates that they're just for morale. It's like they're um, I don't know, like they like they bring something new. Like they bring something different that goes beyond throwing and catching. It's like if this guy's down, we're all gonna feel it. Or if this guy's up, we're all gonna feel it. It's either like positive or negative. So mm-hmm. I'm just like going through like every single player I've ever played with that's like you know hike me up. I'm like man. There's that, that, a huge, like, I don't know, like, I guess you factor that in when, you, when you're, you know, looking at Team USA, like who's, who who do we need in there that's going to bring the team up because they're down right now? Like, was that something you considered when you're looking at the lineups?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, definitely when, when you're, when you're making those decisions and you're looking, there's one spot left and there's two players like all that stuff comes into play right and is a factor so yes for sure
0: If that's like a court present like if that if that was like an attribute what would that be court presence
1: i mean they have leadership and attitude i think uh on there this year
0: okay um
1: so those i think those kind of cover some of those soft skills
0: gotcha I uh, don't know if you covered this or maybe it's a good chance to revisit it, but Mainling asks, what are the official requirements to get an invite to the next The Thing?
1: Yeah, uh, for all you Americans, uh, you need to do really, really well at nationals. Uh, I think top four in the foam divisions, top four finishers in the foam divisions will probably get automatic invites. And then after that, we'll probably revert to the points system.
0: Nice. She also asked, "I'm very curious about this one." And are you positive you didn't have a beer at the after party for the first one? And yes, she's got the little me. thinking emoji, my favorite one.
1: Oh my god! What does she Anything. think happened here? There, there's like this rumor going around that I was really drunk sometime, and it's it's it, I I enjoy it. It's very funny. Um, I'm always drunk on dodgeball. But I'm I'm never I've never drank I've never drank a beer, mei Ling. So it wasn't it wasn't me.
0: You're just in a good mood. What what a what a weird concept. <laughs> this is a great question. Um who's your favorite ninja turtle?
1: Okay. My name starts with an L, so I was always kind of a Leonardo guy. But I think if no, we I can stop right there. Now... He's the
0: best. We're done. That's good. Wait, what's that? <laughs> I said we can stop it there. We're done. We're good. Leo is the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I feel like if I rewatched it now I'd be drawn to Raphael because he was yep. like the clown, right? Like he was the goofball. um, The guy with like the size, right? Like the,
0: Oh, I, yeah. I, I know me my Ninja turtle lore in history.
1: Okay. Okay. So yeah, those, those are my answers.
0: Yeah. Leo, it was my favorite, but then, uh, did you watch the old Jim Jim, Jim Hansen Muppet? old school like 80s movies
1: like secret of the ooze and like yeah Return- yes
0: well, never mind yes. the third one that was garbage but like the first one i loved Raph in that one because he was such an a-hole but <laughs> but like my like my appeal towards gambit like you know he still brought enough of the fight to the to the team and he was just troubled um i like that i really like that in a character yeah Raph is really cool he's very very close second when it comes to my favorite too cool
1: okay good good we are so in sync here yeah this is
0: weird um we'll have to avoid any more nerd stuff for the sake of the the podcast (laughs) um kyle warren who i hope is doing well from his accident um he says or he asks why am i your favorite person player cute happy face emoji and miss you buddy so why 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 is he your favorite person
1: dude kyle kyle is awesome seattle loves kyle warren so Kyle, uh, I'll just, I get to tell the story. I'll just say it. Um, Kyle came to Seattle and he came to like our competitive league. And it was, I had just been in Dallas and I had spent time with Von Kelly. And, and Kyle was like, hi, I'm Kyle, blah, blah, blah I'm from Dallas. And I was like, oh, hey, welcome. And I was like, I was just in Dallas. I was staying with Von Kelly. And uh, Kyle was like, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i was like well nice to meet you too this is gonna be interesting um and like we i feel like uh by the time kyle left seattle like two years later he was like beloved right <laughs> like he he had become one of us we were like we were family we loved him we <laughs> we once uh we once had um like a volunteer event and Kyle was one of the volunteers and then I, after the event i i think i brought like banh mi's for everybody to eat or something and uh, he was like what's a banh mi and we <laughs> we ever since that day we called him banh mi like the vietnamese sandwich uh so he is affectionately known in seattle as banh mi and uh, whenever we see him at tournaments we're like banh mi we come go over and we give him a big hug and, uh, we miss him and we, we're hope, we're hoping that he's, uh, recovering well. And, um, it's good, good to hear you, Kyle.
0: I'm trying to remember when, when it was, um, I think it was myself, Kyle, and I want to say Scott. Uh-huh. We did a, I don't even know what, yeah, we did a Misfits slash okay season 4 episode 59 Kyle Warren Scott Bronson these clowns like they, they totally called me on my own BS because I was complaining about cloth because cloth was slowly starting to get introduced in in 2020 pre-COVID and I was like well cloth is dumb blah 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 and like well if you don't like it Steve get better I'm like crap my own words against me <laughs> darn these two <laughs> but that was, a, that was a really fun episode um, those two are hilarious together and um I'm a huge fan fan of Kyle and he knows that. And I, it's funny cause when I first met him, my first interaction was I yelled at him. Uh, he was roughing <laughs> and I, w- I don't even know what my problem was. I think I was just really tired and just not being me. And a ball went in his direction and he's roughing. He's not supposed to be shagging and it got yeah, caught yeah. in the net. And I'm like about to get murdered by some scary person. And I was like, bro, what the heck? Like, you know, I, I think I actually like cussed at him very uncharacteristic of me. And, uh, yeah, he just looked at me like, you know, chill out. I'm like, yeah, man, my bad? And I went to go apologize to him. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I don't know if that came over me. I need to not ever do that again. We've been cool ever since. So if you're listening, Kyle, thanks for being awesome, man. And I can see why you'd be a favorite person for anybody. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, last question, at least from, again, from Facebook, Asai Valdez, um, who is your favorite rainbow organizer and why is it me? Is it because we share the same birthday?
1: Okay, I will give E. Isai is how you pronounce oh, it. name. Oh, My bad. Dude. He goes by E. Just the letter E. If if if, if
0: you can't get it. Really. Um,
1: yeah. Okay, good to know. Um, e and I share the same birthday. We. Um, I think I'm older. I think I'm older. E. I think I'm I'm older than you. So enjoy your youth while you have it. Um,
0: oh, I suppose Nope.
1: E is awesome he does so much work up here in seattle for our community he has been running the rainbow league for years and every for the last two years at the thing he has like given his weekend to be there to organize just volunteering like he has really just you know, like talk the talk and walk the walk. Like, it's just really special. And we're very lucky to have E in Seattle. Um, e is also hosting the Squid. Um, and Steve, I know you have supported the Squid in the past. So you you have a lot of fans up here in Seattle for that. Um, nice. And the squid is is awesome, and this year it's going to be bigger than ever. It's going to be at the same venue that the thing is hosted at, which is like a world class like volleyball academy, and uh, E, E is like, runs amazing events. So, uh, anybody lucky enough to come to the squid, um, I I recommend it fully, and um, and we're super lucky to have him here in Seattle. So thank you, E.
0: When is uh the next Squid Games? Oh,
1: the Squid I,
0: Dang it, that's the next Seattle Netflix show. <laughs>
1: Queer International Dodgeball Tournament is on September 30th. September thirtieth. So <laughs> it, it will probably be streamed. We will we will have a stream for that. And um this is the second annual event. And let me see. As of today, there were I think Oh 20 plus teams. let's see here. Oh my gosh. Uh, there's a ton of teams. I, I I don't have the number, but I think he said there was like over 150 players registered and it's awesome. He, he does like a lot of work. There's a lot of like social events like like the a welcoming event. there's like a party on Saturday night. like there's just it's every every little detail is considered.
0: That's awesome yeah it was it was uh it was great being able to support it and um, hopefully have the opportunity to do so again uh, in the future but um like I mentioned in, in part one I got to play with e in round three and that definitely helped because he was you know um i want to say like last minute pickup but we, we grabbed him and he was awesome he was awesome to play with and um it just seems like a lot of people want demand this kind of event they're looking forward to it. And uh, I've already seen some hype in some of the Instagram slash Facebook reels, I think from some Arizona people that are, that are going. So yeah, hopefully we'll be able to have him on here. Um, not too far from the event and talk about it for sure. That would be awesome. I think he's on my list actually of, um, people that I didn't get to last time, but want to get to this time. So if you're listening, man, I'll, I'll reach out to you shortly and, and we'll we'll chat it up. But, um, think what we'll have to do now is just because we're itching towards that two hour mark is is take a break here and um, you know resume the rest with some of the Instagram questions but then go into like the real you know like I call them heavy hitters I don't know if that's that's correct but these are the ones that are gonna really make you dig deep for some solid answers and I, and I don't want to shorten those so I um, think we'll do is yeah we'll just take a break here Alrighty, so if you're listening to this, this means that the uh, there was going to be justification for a part three. So um, thank you to those that submitted their questions on on the Facebook threads. Those are one of my most favorite parts about these interviews. Uh, we will start part three with the Instagram based stories, and then, like I said right before we cut off, uh, what I guess I consider the more thought provoking, heavy hitter questions. Um, and again, if you're still with us up until this point, and you're you're ready for round three, um, that's awesome. Like I, I really I really love talking to people. I love hearing the stories, and I, the last thing I ever want to do is cut someone off because of time constraints and fear that the episodes are going to be too long. I mean, everybody's got pause. It's it's a feature that we can all utilize, and I just feel like there is just so much with when it comes to Lucas and his history and uh, some of the parallels that we share. That it's just it's hard not to to take those those opportunities to to see where they go. So, um, I'm going to stop talking. If you are listening to this on your way to nationals, safe travels, um, look forward to seeing you guys, uh, in person and, um, yeah, have a good rest of your week, great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time. real quick what's your time looking like
1: i'm totally flexible all
0: right we'll see we'll see how uh we'll see how this ends up so
1: <clears throat> what's your what's your vibe like currently like what's your energy level should we set like kind of a soft target
0: let's do a check-in at 10 um okay i'm I'm gas dude but it, like okay. normal normal gas so hopefully uh talking dodgeball will it will pick me back up so um okay okay All right, dude.